With a sigh, Adam climbed out. He knocked on the top of the BMW and Ronan pulled slowly away. Above him, the stars were brutal and clear. Page 338, Chapter 36, The Raven Boys. Hi, I'm Shannon. And I'm Navita. And we're We're the the Raven Raven Girls. Welcome to our Raven Cycle Podcast. Where we talk about three dysfunctional teenagers and I can't even find something to make a joke about for this one, everybody. Sorry about that. (laughs) This is episode 13 and we'll be discussing chapters 36 through 38 of The Raven Boys. And due to the sensitive nature of these chapters, we did not do a deep dive this time. Disclaimers. This is an analysis podcast. We'll be discussing the Raven cycle as a cycle. So as always, you'll probably want to have read the books before listening. Yes. <laughs> we'll use pronunciations from the audiobooks and page numbers are referenced from the paperback editions. Right. And a disclaimer from me, this podcast has a teen plus rating. There will be canon levels of adult content, including Ronan swearing, 300 Foxway drinking, Kavinsky lewdness, probably not this time. And unfortunately, we will be talking about violence. Yes. Which leads me to content warning. We want to remind listeners about the sensitive content of these chapters. We will, again, be discussing Adam's abuse and the aftermath in detail. We highly encourage you to practice any form of self-care you may need, including turning off the episode and coming back later, or choosing not to listen at all. We totally understand. Yes. We love you, and we want you to take care of yourself. I hope, too, that you will be patient with us as we attempt to talk about an incredibly sensitive subject. Mm -hmm. Neither of us are experts in anything but our own personal experiences. This episode may also be hard for us. It was hard doing the notes. It was very hard, yeah. So yeah, thanks for your understanding and support in return. Yep. And with that, we'll just get into the episode. Alrighty. So these are those very difficult chapters with Adam going back to the trailer. Chapter 36 is an Adam POV chapter. Ronan drops Adam off at home after what has already been a particularly grueling day, only to find that things can, and indeed will, become much bleaker. But hey, who the heck expected Ronan to be a white knight? So at least that's something. (laughs) And can I just go out on a limb here and say that I hate almost everyone in these chapters? Uh Uh-huh. I mean, geez, this is like almost the dark night of the soul in terms of story structure. Oh my gosh. It is definitely the it gets blackest before dawn Mm -hmm. feel. So in timeline wise, it's still Friday night, class next day to the contrary. (laughs) And they're showing up to the trailer around midnight. And this is the first scene we see with Ronan and Adam together interacting by themselves. And maybe it's just projecting because of the future, but they still seem to take a lot of comfort from each other here. Mm -hmm. And it was very interesting to see how differently they interact in this scene than any scene where they're being observed by other people. And I'm torn between home shit home is right, Ronan, and Ronan, don't be an ass. Yeah, well, yeah, (laughs) it's pretty standard. The trailer is described as a dreary gray box with his mother peeking out very furtively. Mm -hmm. Adam and Ronan weren't in a fight at the moment, and both of them were too startled by the day's events to start a new one. Yeah, they're kind of that couple. Yeah. (laughs) They're only happy when they're fighting. Well, I don't know if that's true, but (laughs) young love. No, really. (laughs) 
they don't quite fit together yet, as you can see in this scene, but you can almost see the shape of the puzzle pieces here. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to see them go from antagonistic to best friends to flirting to boyfriends. Yeah, it's really sweet. Yeah. Adam grabs his messenger bag, the one gift he'd ever permitted Gansey to give him, and only because he didn't need it. But he still uses it. Right. The fact that from Robert Parrish's silhouette, Adam can immediately tell that his dad is agitated and the sight is upsetting enough to make his stomach curdle. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, and Adam, but he didn't get out. He still is not getting out of the car. And you can see them both stalling here mm-hmm. in the beginning of this chapter. Man, you don't have to go in there, Ronan says to Adam. And Ronan can see the fear and that wall that Ronan keeps up just comes down for a moment, as it often does when he's around Adam. Mm -hmm. And in contrast to what Gansey says later, here is Ronan giving Adam the choice to leave or to stay. Mm -hmm. Ronan says that Adam doesn't have to get out here, but he doesn't demand that Adam go back with him Mm -hmm. or that he take Ronan's advice. He just reminds Adam that no, actually getting out here doesn't have to be the only option. Even though Adam thinks it wasn't helpful, Ronan is giving Adam autonomy in this. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm leaving the yes parish, I believe I do note for you. Yes. (laughs) I love this, of course. As the inventor of sly remarks, Ronan was impervious to them. His smile was ruthless in the glow from the dash. Mm -hmm. Adam and Ronan acknowledging, too, that Ronan has to be autonomous here. Uh And still, Adam didn't get out. It's more stalling. He feels safer here bantering with Ronan than he does walking up to his own home. He is safer there bantering with Ronan. Yeah. (laughs) Adam thinks to himself that it was unwise to loiter in the car, especially this car, an undeniably Aglumby car, flaunting his friendships. He does show up in the BMW at the end of The Raven King. Uh And And I love that. Yeah, it is really great. And then Ronan says, do you think they'll arrest Welk before class tomorrow? Because if they don't, I'm not doing the reading. (laughs) Like, yeah, he's trying his best to lighten the mood. Right. (laughs) And here's that weird editing timeline issue I mentioned, because though it's shown several times in the books that they have classes and activities on Saturdays, I have a hard time believing that there would be a Latin class. And I wonder if the Friday night that Calla mentions or the school on Saturday is the mistake in editing. I know a lot of boarding schools have schedules that you have a class every other day, like Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then sometimes, like in my college, it was Monday, Wednesday, every other Friday, and then Tuesday, Thursday, every other Friday. But I've heard that some boarding schools will do Saturday classes to fix that scheduling problem. Interesting, because, I mean, my high school also had block scheduling where you'd rotate, Mm. obviously, through two weeks, but it wasn't Saturday. It was just classes that were Monday, Wednesday, Friday, were then Tuesday and Thursday the following week. And Mm then they rotated every two weeks. So anyway, there are several times where they do mention that they have a class on Saturday and it's very obviously a Friday night that something happens. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of a weird that it would be a Latin class. Anyway, I don't know. It It could be. (laughs) There are explanations. Right. 
And then Ronan says, I better go feed the bird. And it seems like more stalling from Ronan in a way because he's not actually making an excuse to leave. Right. It's like he's giving Adam an out Uh if he wants to leave. Everything about this really implies to me that they don't want to leave the comfort of each other's company. Mm -hmm. And yes, this is just a friend thing because it happens. I've had lots of late night don't quite want to leave the car yet conversations with friends. Absolutely. And Ronan looked down at the gear shift instead, his eyes unfocused. Ronan needs comfort as much as Adam as he brings up Gansey and Welk's confrontation. Uh Uh-huh. And Adam thinks every time his thoughts came close to touching on the near miss of losing Gansey, it opened up something dark and sharp edged inside of him. It was hard to remember what life at Aglenby had been like before Gansey. Adam pictures himself crying on the front steps, the very same ones that will damage him tonight. And Gansey thinks that Adam doesn't appreciate his friendship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so heartbreaking. Ugh. Adam thinks to himself he'd been younger then, only a little more than a year ago. Again, Adam is working himself ragged. Right. 18 months ago is what is said earlier in the book, which puts them meeting near the beginning of their sophomore year. Mm -hmm. Lucky you taught him that hook, Adam says. I'd never taught him to break his thumb. (laughs) And that's Gansey for you. Learns only enough to be superficially competent. Loser. Loser. (laughs) Vernon agreed. And he was himself again. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot in that above exchange. Right. Adam's ignoring his own discomfort to make Ronan comfortable. And they're bonding over trash-talking Gansey. Right. And I'm like, but do they actually believe that Gansey's only superficially competent? I feel like when it comes to things like this that are not in Gansey's specialty, he probably is. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, he's... Even the Latin thing. Right. He Once he realizes he doesn't need Latin, he's like, I don't need Latin. I've got got Ronan. Or Ronan for that. (laughs) Yeah. It's also interesting that Adam is acknowledging Ronan teaching Gansey to fight saving his life, yet has refused to accept the same from Ronan. Right. And I think it says something about how deeply ingrained his fear of fighting back really is. Mm-hmm. Adam nodded, stealing himself. And it's like, now that Ronan's okay, he can face this. Right. But Ronan's not okay. Mm-hmm. Ronan's hand worked on the steering wheel. Something was frustrating him. No telling if it was something else entirely. Mm-hmm. He likely doesn't want to be dropping you off, Adam. I'm sure you're perceptive enough to pick up on that. Right. Above him, the stars were brutal and clear. And this just so fits the situation. Yeah. Brutal. Like what's about to happen. Oh, God. Yeah. And Adam's dad confronts him before Adam even gets to the door. Right. Robert Parrish is blocking his own son, much like what Adam did earlier today with Declan. Mm -hmm. And he was already revved up. It's like, Jesus. He smelled like cigarettes, though he didn't smoke. And I'm thinking he was out drinking at a bar, maybe? Maybe. Your mother was in your room today and she found something. Can you guess what it would be? And Adam is terrified and immediately tries to figure out what specific thing Robert Parrish means. The fact that he didn't know precisely what had been found was agonizing. This kind of thing is so typical in stories that I've heard of abuse. It's just, mm-hmm. they're they, wanting to try to trip you up. Yeah, they want you to admit to something that's worse than what they actually have. Mm-hmm. Adam's knees were slowly liquefying. He could think of several things about himself and his life that wouldn't please Robert Parrish. Like mm-hmm. what? What else could Adam have to hide? I mean, I have a personal conjecture, given Robert's general demeanor. 
perhaps there's something with Adam's sexuality or something like that that might be in his room that they could have found. Possibly. He gives no indication of what it might be. And it could be anything, really. Right. I mean, literally anything is going to set Robert Parrish off. One of the themes that I had in this was Adam's perfectionism and his will to strive to Mm. be the absolute best is a direct result of this type of behavior. Right. He has to be quiet and clean and perfect and not bring attention to himself. And this is why. Mm Mm-hmm. Adam doesn't really give an answer and his dad finally comes out with a pay stub from the factory and Adam thinks, think fast Adam, what does he need to hear? The truth doesn't matter right now because that won't de-escalate the situation. Right. It's Adam observing and calculating for survival. And to me, it really hurts when fandom thinks that Adam only does this because he's cold and unfeeling because his passion has been beaten out of him his whole life. Absolutely. His father drew Adam's face a bare inch from his so that Adam could feel the words as well as hear them. That is so freaking visceral. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, ugh. Yeah. You lied to your mother about how much you made. I didn't lie. This was a mistake and Adam knew it as soon as the words were out of his mouth. Again, the truth isn't going to de-escalate here. No. And Robert Parrish shouts, which means everyone in the trailer park can surely hear. My hackles on my neck are starting Mm -hmm. to rise. This is also the second time today that Adam has been called a liar. There are parallels between these two confrontations and how Adam has to think about what the other person most needs to hear to get them to step back. Mm -hmm. The difference was that in the first confrontation with Declan, Adam was in the position of power. Now he's not. And there he feared getting hit. Here it's an inevitability. Yeah. When his father's hand hit his cheek, it was more sound than feeling. Adam's father let him fall. His father let him fall. Mm -hmm. And he said in the end of The Raven King, if it had really been an accident, it should have been you in the room with me. And page 431 of The Raven Mm -hmm. King. His dad didn't even go to the hospital with him. No, no, he didn't. Adam says that when he hits the railing, it's a catastrophe of light. He was aware in a single exploded moment of how many colors combined to make white. And I'm just like, oof. Yeah. Pain hissed inside his skull, like static, like caves water. Mm -hmm. And he's on the ground without recollection of how he got there. His face was caked with dust. It was in his mouth. No wonder he hates dust. Adam has to remember how to breathe. He's winded and he's stunned. And his dad says, it's not that bad. Get up, really. Which is just classic gaslighting behavior with an abuser. Mm -hmm. Making you question your own reality. And halfway down the drive, he saw the brake lights on Ronan's BMW. And how long did Ronan wait? I mean, he says he starts to pull away. But did he pull away with an eye on the rearview mirror? Was he anticipating that this was going to happen? Did he slowly drive down the drive watching to make sure Adam was okay? Mm -hmm. And did he hear the shout and stop? I'm pretty sure he heard the shout. Yeah, I have a feeling Ronan would have been long gone by the time this happened if he hadn't been waiting for Mm -hmm. something to happen. Yeah. Just go, Ronan, Adam thinks. And him thinking this now reminds me of Ronan saying, I just want you to go tonight in Mm -hmm. the Opal short story. And it's just neither of them abandoning each other in their time of need. Right. 
and then Adam's dad yells at him, I'm not going to stop talking about this just because you threw yourself on the ground. I know when you're faking, Adam. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the, it could be worse game. It's de-escalating mm-hmm. the concept of harm. Mm-hmm. Also, dictating the victim's feelings takes away even the sense of control the victim has over their inner reality. Mm-hmm. I can't believe you'd make this kind of money and throw it away on that damn school. All those times you've heard us talking about the power bill, the phone. It's like, yeesh, I grew up poor, but I cannot imagine my parents having expecting me to contribute to bills rather than get an education. Yeah, Adam has no fucking obligation here. Maybe if his home life was different, where it was an actual team and a family all pulling together where they prioritize their child. Mm -hmm. And besides, as I said earlier, if Robert Parrish is out drinking, especially in a bar, he has disposable income. And believe me, I understand all too well the self-medication of poverty, but that still does not obligate Adam Mm -hmm. in this situation. It's also classic abuser behavior, expecting the victim to fulfill your needs. Mm-hmm. Also, Adam is underage. Right. <laughs> but even in a family where everybody's pulling towards the same goal, mm-hmm. sure, Adam might be contributing a little bit of money, but his parents would also be contributing to his education. Right. That's a team. That's not this situation at all. And in this situation, Adam has no obligation Exactly. <sighs> And then Robert pushed off his feet with every step, the coil in his body. It's like a bull lowering his horns. Mm -hmm. Adam instinctively protects himself, drawing his elbows in and ducking his head to protect his ribs and chest. This is a boy on the ground. (sighs) (sighs) There are a lot of words I love in the next paragraph, though. His thoughts crashed explosively. His ears screamed at him, hot and wet. And his father is carrying the evidence in his shirt pocket, of course, because he has to have his proof that he's justified in his actions. And his Mm -hmm. hand is shaking in rage as he pulls it out. What does he have to be angry about? (sighs) You told us that school was giving you money to go. You didn't tell me you were making $18,423 a year. This makes me think a few things. One, that's actually a lot for a teenager to be making in rural Virginia. Mm -hmm. Two, again. That's only one job. That's true. He's working three. Mm -hmm. I think he's working three at this point. He might not be, but. Mm -hmm. And again, I understand rough finances, but Robert Parrish having figured out Adam's salary down to the dollar infuriates me. Yeah. And three, we know later that Adam's still barely able to make his part of tuition, even working three jobs. Right. Aslamby is ridiculously expensive. Yeah. <laughs> also, we just saw Gansey drop 30000 on a bribe for Ronan. Uh-huh. Again, we are forced to contrast what is a big amount of money for the parishes and a small amount of money for Gansey. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, Adam, I respect that you don't want to rely on Gansey, but this is a drop in the bucket to him. Right. Gansey could help him and... Not and, break a sweat. Uh-huh. Literally not break a sweat because he doesn't have to work for it. <laughs> Robert pulls Adam up as easily as he'd lift a dog. And Adam is underfed and wiry and treated like property. 
Adam notes, the ground was sliding away from him. He had to struggle to find words. Something was fractured inside of him. And Adam is also likely feeling the effects of an inner ear rupture knocking out his Uh equilibrium. Plus, possibly a traumatic brain injury, which can take months, if not longer, to resolve. Or sometimes they don't resolve at all. They don't resolve at all. And this is very interesting when you look at Adam's behavior in The Dream Thieves. A lot of his behavior, of course, could be contributed to Caveswater, but a lot of it can be contributed to the fact that if he has a TBI that is not resolved, he may be exhibiting symptoms of that Mm -hmm. all throughout that book. It can do, like, weird things to you. Put you in a fugue stake that makes you walk 17 miles away Uh with no memory of it? Yeah. (laughs) And then inexplicably, Adam's father turns and yells, What do you want? To do this, Ronan Lynch snarled, smashing his fist into the side of Robert Parrish's face. Me too, Ronan. Gods, me too. Yeah. This is the most satisfying event in this set of chapters. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yes, God, yes, Ronan. I think you are still being an asshole here, but kudos anyway. I love you for it. And uh-huh. I'm sure he has been itching for this fight forever. Yep. The BMW's driver's side door hanging open, clouds of dust, indicate how fast Ronan sped backward to the trailer. He didn't even stop to shut the door. Mm-hmm. And Adam can't tell if he's speaking out loud. He staggers when he's not being held up. Mm-hmm. Robert's hand snatches where he expects Ronan's hair to be, and that buys Ronan a second. Robert Parrish headbutts Ronan. It's just a vicious and brutal fight right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. But Ronan is at least someone who can take the fight, though, and give it back in kind. Right. And Adam's mother is standing on the porch with the phone in their hand, waving it, yelling for them to stop. And Adam thinks there's only one person who could stop Ronan, though. And Adam's mother didn't have that number. Yeah. <laughs> one. I don't think even Gainsey could stop Ronan right now, Adam. <laughs> And two, Adam almost sounds like he admires that. The fact that there are so few ways to stop Ronan from doing what 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 Ronan wants to do. Right. I agree. My comment was, could even Gansey stop him here? I don't think so. Mm -mm. And Adam's mother, and again, remember, she is so removed from any form of identity that we don't even get a name, just a relationship for her. Calls the cops on Ronan, but not on Robert. Mm -hmm. My empathy for her wanes. Yeah. (laughs) And then the ground slid out from under him entirely. And again, equilibrium. Mm. The sky looked the same as the ground. He felt fundamentally broken. He was eyes without a body. Shit. Just shit. Yeah. (laughs) He was eyes without a body implies to me that he might be disassociating to protect himself from the trauma. I was thinking that as well. The first time we hear of Adam's abuse, Gansey thinks, sometimes after Adam had been hit, there was something remote and absent in his eyes, like his body belonged to someone else. Mm -hmm. The fight was dirty. Ronan's hand lashed out like a snake. More viper imagery. Mm -hmm. Ronan is fighting for Adam, rolling around on the ground, but he's also been spoiling for something to do all day. Uh I can see Ronan fighting not only for Adam, but for Declan showing up at Monmouth, for Gansey being attacked by Welk, and for Noah being killed. All of these are emotions he's had to deal with just in the last Uh 24 hours. And it's just like... This is, this is a great point for him to just, like, unleash everything. Yeah. Adam's mother was still yelling. 
how long has this been going on? It uh-huh. feels like it's fast, but also how much has Adam been slipping in and out during this time? The police can't have shown up within a few minutes. I think at least 10, 15 minutes have probably passed. Mm-hmm. And then Adam needed to stand, to walk, to think. We see Adam needing to pace to process his thoughts. Mm-hmm. The officer approaching Adam smelled like juniper. This is an interesting scent to me because juniper is a very protective herb and it also symbolizes the first steps on a journey and not compromising your integrity. Interesting. Also, again, he smells this scent off the officer and he feels like he's choking on it. The nausea from scents could indicate a concussion. He almost certainly has one. Yeah. In a few lines we get, his vision shifted and cleared, shifted and cleared. And I just wanted to kind of go over the symptoms of a concussion. Obviously, headache, temporary loss of consciousness, confusion or feeling as if in a fog, amnesia surrounding a traumatic event... Dizziness or seeing stars, ringing in the ears, nausea, vomiting, slurred speech, delayed response to questions, appearing dazed and fatigued. And what does the officer think is going on? He thinks he's he's drunk. drunk. And I'm really surprised this wasn't a part of his diagnosis Uh, later. Because like every single one of those things Adam has. Right. We don't specifically see the slurred speech, I don't think. But No, not specifically, no. So Adam trying to say he's okay when he's obviously not okay breaks my heart. It's like, boy, you're not okay. Have you been drinking? Stupid cop. Can he not see what the heck's like right in front of his eyes? Yeah. Of course, blaming the victim is also a very common occurrence. Yeah, unfortunately. And Ronan's response to that question is golden. It's pretty Ronan. It involved a lot of profanity and the phrase, beat the shit. Ronan, oh, Ronan. (laughs) Adam thinks to himself, this can't happen. He can't go to jail because of me. Oh, hon, it wouldn't be because of you. Right. (laughs) And besides, he would do pretty much anything for you. Yeah. Adam here is also taking responsibility for Ronan's actions, though, Uh much like Gansey, even though he's made a stand saying that Ronan needs to take care of himself. And it's really easy to say that at a distance. Right. And Adam thinks only this afternoon he touched Blue's face. He thinks of Blue at a time of trauma, and that just flattens me. Uh-huh. It had felt like anything was possible, like the world soared out in front of him. You'll feel that way again, and mm-hmm. someone will feel that way about you. Because Ronan felt that he had caught happiness without meaning to. And Adam plays through his mother's voice. It really was a little your fault, wasn't it? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) And this reflects on Adam in the epilogue of the Raven King thinking he always forgot how she used to drive him out too. Her words were a more slippery kind of assault, sliding out of his memory more easily than his father's actual blows, sliding in between the ribs of that younger Adam when he wasn't paying attention. There was a reason why he had learned to hide alone and not with her. That's page 429 of The Raven King. He thinks of how his mother would say, we'll deal with this as a family. So many times abuse is treated like a dirty secret and something to be hidden and dealt with. Right. Like, And maybe we'll talk about this in a little bit, but it's not just Adam's mom. 
every single person in this trailer park has heard Robert Parrish shouting uh-huh. tonight, if no other time. Yep. Every single person is complicit in this. Every single person. Mm-hmm. If Adam turned him in, his mother would never forgive him. If Adam turned him in, he could never come home again. It's the only home he's known, but it isn't really a home. Not that that makes losing it easier. Yeah. But, you know, he's able to do it for Ronan. Right. He's having to make a very terrible decision because of objectively terrible events. (sighs) And then he hears Raynan yelling as he's being pushed into the police car. I said, I've got it, man. Do you think I've never been in one of these before? Oh, my God, (laughs) Ronan. It makes me laugh, but oh, my God. Right. Jesus, Ronan, have you never been Mirandized? You have the right to remain fucking silent. Use it. (laughs) Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. Shut up! (laughs) Adam thinks about how hard he's worked to move out on Adam Parrish's terms or not at all. And he sees what he has to do and he's willing to do it, but he feels like it means giving up on everything he's worked for, like all his hard work. Right. And here he accepts that Ronan is a part of those terms. This is a catalyst for him. He's finally willing to take the step for someone who isn't Gansey, who didn't ask him to do it. Mm -hmm. Gansey said, you won't leave because of your pride? Ronan was defending me, he says. Mm -hmm. And he couldn't put it aside for Gansey, but for Ronan he can. Right. He will leave because of his pride. Mm -hmm. At least when Adam says Ronan was defending him, the officer's attention focuses and he listens. Uh His mother was staring at him. And yes, at this moment, I hate her too. Even though I still have some personal empathy for someone in that situation. Uh And do we want to discuss a little bit about our feelings on Adam's mother? Sure, we can do that. So obviously there's a lot of controversy or mixed feelings on Adam's mom and what her responsibility is here and how could she be complicit. It is true. Adam's mom is culpable here. Mm -hmm. She is a part of this. He recognizes that she's been a cog in his abuse throughout his life. She's also exhibiting a pretty clear victim mentality. Yeah, she is a victim herself. Right. Like, she does absolutely play a part in Adam's abuse, but she is a victim herself. It's really, really clear She's scared for herself as well. Right. And one of the things that we've talked about off mic is simply the fact that one of the reasons Adam may have stayed as long as he did was his fear for his mom. Mm -hmm. And that is exhibited with the conversation that he has with Gansey about the gun. Mm Mm-hmm. It was Adam's father's gun, and though he wasn't sure his father would ever use it on his mother, he wasn't taking the chance. And that's page 370 of The Raven Boys. Mm. So Adam has a fear for his mom, and even though he's grown by the end of The Raven King to recognize that she is part of all of this, that she was culpable... There is still that fear that he has that he's protecting her, that maybe he can take it, she can't sort of Mm -hmm. mentality, which is also very, very common in a victim where there's multiple people in a household being Mm -hmm. abused. And it's so sad because Adam is still a kid. Yeah, Adam's (laughs) still a kid, but man, you take on responsibilities that are not yours to take on when that happens. You have anything else to add about Adam's mom? Yeah, she's a really tough character to think about. Just because, like, I feel so sorry for her. And because there's nothing left of her. Right. Not even a name. Mm Mm-mm. 
And that breaks my heart. And yet, like, I still look at it like, no, she's still complicit in, right. in what happens with Adam. Yeah. Like, I'm not creating a backstory for this character. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking anything that's not canonically on the page. We don't see her getting abused physically. We see Adam getting abused physically. But we do see her exhibiting very clear victimized behaviors on the page. We also, from Adam's point of view, get examples of emotional abuse. Right. Like, we know there is canonical emotional abuse that happens. Right. So, to say that his mother hasn't been affected, every single person who lives in an abusive household, whether they are physically getting hit or just witnessing getting hit, just, is, Mm -hmm. it is abuse. Yes. She is being abused. Yes. Even with his eyes closed, he felt like he was falling, like the horizon pitched, like his head tilted. Adam had the sick feeling that his father had managed to knock something crucial askew. I just want to hug him so badly. I do too. And then he says, can I, can I press charges? That's probably the hardest words Adam has ever had to say. Yeah. And I know that this isn't something that every abuse victim in every situation can do because often for their own safety, they elect to stay Mm -hmm. with the abuser. But Jesus effing Christ, I am so damned proud of Adam Parrish. Yes. And then we had another discussion that we wanted to talk about, about Ronan and Robert Parrish in this situation and how their white privilege has enabled them in their arrest here and this whole situation, because we've sort of sidestepped the whole, you know, Ronan as a person of color fan cast type of dynamic Mm -hmm. in the past for large part because it's just not a lived experience for me. Mm -hmm. I'm not a person of color and I don't have the academic background to be able to speak about it with the proper vocabulary to feel like I am doing it justice. Mm -hmm. And my activism has all been in gender and sexual minority activism. It hasn't been in race relations or anything like that. I wish that it was different, but that's just Mm -hmm. what I did and do. And so I have not addressed this, and I think you might feel the same way. Intersectionality is important, but it's also really important to know when to say, I don't have this space. Like, that is not my story to tell. Right. And I just don't feel like I, like like I said, I literally don't feel like I have the vocabulary to do it Mm -hmm. justice and to be able to really dig into a subject that with any sort of efficacy to be able to say like, this is how I feel about it. But I do want to say that here in this particular situation, I do not feel like if Ronan was a teenager, a man of color, that he would be getting off. There is no way, especially Mm -hmm. if Robert was a white man. That is such a shitty thing to recognize, but we have to recognize it. He is getting off a violent teenager with a criminal record attacking a man in his own home. It doesn't matter how rich he is. He's probably not going to walk away without an arrest. Yeah, if Vernon was a person of color in this situation, I do not think he would come out of that alive, let alone not getting... Yeah, yeah. I mean, and those are just the realities that we have to acknowledge with this when we talk about this situation. 
this story could not unfold the way it is if they were race swapped. It just, mm-hmm. I just don't see that happening. And the same with Robert Parrish or Adam Parrish, because people are like, you know, let's race bend Adam Parrish instead. And wouldn't it be such a great narrative to have Adam pull himself out of poverty? And yes, that is a great narrative. But mm-hmm. Robert Parrish would not be walking away from this without an arrest. I mean, he does get arrested, but then he gets... He gets off. He gets off. Yeah, he doesn't even, like, maybe he posts bail or something. Or maybe he just gets held for 24 hours in a drunk tank. But he gets off. And I don't see that happening either. And we just have to take the space here to acknowledge that this narrative is happening because of white privilege. Mm -hmm. That they are able to walk away from these interactions with the police simply because they're white. Mm -hmm. So... That's the end of that chapter. Thank goodness. (laughs) Thank goodness. Not like the pain is over, though, because I think we're actually more upset at someone else later on. (laughs) Chapter 37 is a Welk point of view chapter. Welk is on the lamb, as Ronan would say, which involves sitting by himself in front of a closed convenience store and just being despicable and self-centered. Man, there is no good here. (laughs) No, there is not. Welk missed the good food that came with being rich. Every single thing is about him. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Yeah, this is pretty unbelievable and such a shocking and stark contrast to the last chapter. Mm -hmm. Carrie, the chef's name had been, an effusive but intimidating woman who adored chopping things up with knives. God, he missed her guacamole. Yeah. Just this line. Yeah, Will Patton does the best reading of this line. It's just the best. Mm -hmm. But the knife chopping feels sinister, though, for some reason. I agree. Okay, good. I was like, why is he bringing up her knife skills? He was eating a dry burger he'd bought from a fast food joint. The first fast food burger he'd had in seven years. And this is chilling to me because we've seen the remnants of his last fast food meal. Yeah, this is burger number three in The Raven Boys and possibly the series. Gansey number one at the beginning. Noah's Mustang is number two. Welk's is number three. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm reading too much into this, but they are all tied together by the ley line. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who eats a burger. <laughs> no, I'm fairly sure that's not It's it's the symbolism, you guys. Uh Uh-huh. So the plan involves sleeping in the backseat of his vehicle and making another plan in the morning. He doesn't plan. He has no plan. No, yeah, this is kind of funny just in how incompetent he is. He seems to be all id. Mm -hmm. As Freud said, it is the dark, inaccessible part of our personality. It is filled with energy reaching it from the instincts, but it has no organization, produces no collective will, but only is striving to bring about the satisfaction of the instinctual needs subject to the observance of the pleasure principle. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That is Welk. (laughs) Yep. Welk thinks to himself that if he'd thought about it, he would have abducted Gansey for the ritual. But then he thinks he probably should have used Adam instead because people would have been looking for Gansey, but Adam wouldn't be missed. Such a freaking asshole. Yeah. And this hurts even more after the last chapter. Yeah. He thinks really the parish kid would have been a better bet. No one would miss a kid born in a trailer. Fuck you. Mm. (laughs) That is my son you're talking about. (laughs) And then he thinks... 
He always turned his homework in on time, though, which, again, just seems so fucking self-centered. It really does. And he thinks about how he hadn't left prepared to abduct someone, which is hilarious when Neve then abducts him. Uh Uh-huh. And I'm still (laughs) unsure if he had been following Gansey. He seized the opportunity, but it seems fairly convenient. Coincidence? I think not. (laughs) Welk grimly took another bite of his dusty burger. It did nothing to lift his mood. Good? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah. The mood is desolate, sagging right tire, dark and abandoned. Mm -hmm. The phone rang 12 times, and specific numbers in this series are generally significant, and it's Neve calling. Do we see 12 anywhere else? No, not that I could think, though. I also underlined it. Mm -hmm. Just for the same kind of reason? Yeah. Welk was not prone to philanthropy, and that's an understatement. I literally had understatement written in my book. (laughs) Just that word. But it occurred to him that whoever was on the other side of that payphone was really trying to get a hold of someone. Duh! (laughs) Right. Why the hell else would they be calling you, Right. And as a detail, I loved the come in, we are open, lied the flip around sign on the door. Mm-hmm. It feels like a reflection of Welk's incompetence, but also just an awesome little observation about life. Uh-huh. Such an old fashioned ring. Phones just ring. Didn't... <laughs> Go ahead. Phones just didn't sound like that anymore. This sounds like a Gansey line. Yeah. It doesn't feel like something Welk would say because Welk is stuck in the past, but he's not nostalgic, really. Right. No. Yeah. Sorry. I already did the interruption. (laughs) Someone made fun of me for doing that in the Opal special episode. They did? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, not made fun of, but they thought it was funny that I made the telephone noise like little kids when you picked uh up the fake telephone. (laughs) The phone's ringing. (laughs) (laughs) Numbers are a very simple thing for me, Mr. Welk. And you aren't difficult to find. Also, I have some of your hair. It's like, Neve is so calm and creepy. Seriously, I wrote, holy shit, she is so creepy. (laughs) Also, she is like 100% in on murdering this guy. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. The only reason he contacted her in the first place was because he knew she was the real thing. Whatever that thing might be. I mean, maybe, but Welk is also impressed by appearances. And that thing is psychic, duh. (laughs) Didn't you read her website? (laughs) Probably says it, like, right there. Psychic. (laughs) Neve tells Welk, oh, about helping you. I've changed my mind. No, she hasn't. It's lies. Beware. Wait, who am I kidding? I don't give a fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, all right. So chapter 38 is a Gansey POV. And in continuation of our most depressing episode ever, Gansey decides that he is just going to be the worst to Adam. And yes, they're both broken boys. But Jiminy, this could have gone so much better. Sigh. Mm -hmm. It's like when a Welk chapter is Is a funny chapter. (laughs) You've got some fucking problems. Lucy, explaining to do. So this is happening presumably Saturday during the day, probably around noon, based on context clues. Mm -hmm. And the Hey Parish line, to me, feels like a callback to the Hey Tiger from earlier. Yeah, interesting, because I felt it seemed like he was distancing himself, because Gansey doesn't often call Adam Parish. 
when he's connecting with him, like that's he, true. He tends to nickname when he's being affectionate or connecting to someone. So. True. As Gansey had waited for Adam to emerge, he'd watched the doors of the hospital open and close for invisible patients. A, this seems super lonely and like he'd been there quite a long time. And B, makes me think of ghosts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, both. And it probably did take a while. Yeah, and he, as we read a little bit earlier, Gansey is the one who actually was in the hospital room with him. He took him to the hospital. Mm. He probably has been there most of the night. Gansey notes that Adam was strangely unmarked. On the outside, anyway. Yeah. Usually there were bruises and scratches. So I understand the failure of the school system in so many cases, but did nobody report this ever? Mm-hmm. And Gansey sees a slight reddening of his ear. And Adam's left ear would be pointing towards Gansey. And how vulnerable must that feel? Right. They told me you didn't have insurance. A, of course he doesn't, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And B, hello, have these people never heard of HIPAA? Right. I feel like folks are falling down on their jobs left and right around here. Henrietta is an awful place, guys. <laughs> I guess. Nobody can do their jobs. Adam is shattered here and Gansey sees it. There was something permanent but invisible had happened. And Gansey carefully trying to tell Adam that the medical bills are taken care of is the only even kind of sweet thing in this entire section. Yeah, and yet my note was, does he even need to be bringing this up right now? It's almost like he's begging for a fight. Mm-hmm. It's like, just shut up and drive, Gansey. Yeah. Now is not the time for talking. Now is the time for being mm-hmm. there. And Adam just turned that paper bracelet around and around and around. Adam is not here, Gansey. You should understand. I love you both, but fuck, dude. Mm-hmm. Recognize. You win, Adam said finally. And yes, this is hurtful. But Gansey seems to be poking the injured bear. Both of them have been hospitalized in the last 24 hours. Now is so super not the right time. Yeah, like, do not do this right now, Gansey. Just let it go. Do you think this is how I wanted it? Yes, I do, Adam says. But do you really, Adam? Like, in the best places of your heart, do you really feel like Gansey would want it this way? No, he probably doesn't, but that's not what that's he not can where he's reach at. right now. Right, yeah. And that's what Gansey refuses to understand. Right. Gansey is a complete and utter piece of shit right here. Yeah. His friend is literally coming out of the emergency room after having been assaulted by his father and is essentially homeless because he can't go home. Right. He can't go back to that. And Gansey is more worried about his own feelings than Adam's. Don't be shitty, and you don't have to act like it's the end of the world. It's like, for fuck's sake, Gansey, just shut up. Yeah, I wrote, don't make it about you, Gansey. Adam picked and picked at the uneven end where the paper bracelet sealed. It's echoes of Gansey needing that bracelet cut off. And these small actions really are beautiful. Mm -hmm. And to Adam, this is the end of the world. He's just taking a beating that left permanent physical damage and lost the only home he's ever known. And Gansey says, you act like it's my fault. He's not, though. Fucking drop it. Stop pushing. Mm -hmm. There had never been a part of him that wanted Adam to have to run instead of march triumphantly out. 
And I'm unhappy about how this is going down. Then act like it, Gansey. Right now, you just need to STFU and be there for your friend. Help him figure things out if he wants or just freaking be there. Right. It's like, say the things you're feeling then. If those are the things you're feeling, say that you don't want him hurt. Say you want him to be his own person. Just be there. Mm-hmm. It's like, how could this have been handled better between, like, as a discussion between the two of us? I think we agree on this. Mm-hmm. Basically, this whole section just needs to have not happened. Right. <laughs> or be three paragraphs long. Gansey's waiting outside of the hospital. Adam gets in the car. Gansey says, where would you like to go? Adam says, blank. And Gansey says, okay. Yeah. That's all that needed to happen here. Mm -hmm. He just needed to provide Adam the space to process. This is not the time and the place. In fact, maybe never Uh (laughs) is the time and the place for this particular argument. But there is a shit ton of victim blaming that is happening and it gets worse. I just needed to kind of stop it before it gets worse so that we can talk (laughs) about how it could have been diverted before it Mm -hmm. gets even like more deep in the shit. But really, Gansey could have just provided Adam with the space to go and do what he needed to do. Right. But yeah, you're right. He makes it all about him and it blows up in his face. Yeah. In his head, his mother said, people shout when they don't have the vocabulary to whisper. I'm like, this is so infuriating in ways that have nothing to do with this chapter. But what does it say about Gansey suppressing his own trauma? And we also talked a little bit about what does this say about the possibility of or the actuality of Gansey's parents being emotionally abusive and neglectful versus Adam's parents being physically and emotionally abusive. They're both dealing with this kind Mm -hmm. of abusive situation in some ways and do we want to take some time to compare and contrast that sure this suppression of any kind of feeling for Gansey particularly that he's bringing it out in this moment right to me really feels like I think as I mentioned at the end of the conversation that he was having with Dick Gansey the second that it's like as long as you're not making trouble Like this whole feeling of like, just stay quiet. You don't need to shout. You don't need to express any emotions. You don't need to like open yourself up to other people. It's so oppressive in a very sort of buttoned up way. And I just, I think it's interesting that it's kind of just pops up in this chapter where we're dealing with Adam's physical abuse that in the back of Gansey's head, he's basically getting this emotional oppression of Mm -hmm. his parents. Right. So neither of these kids are really coming at this in the best possible way. Mm -hmm. But But yeah, it definitely hurts a lot to see Gansey doing this. Yeah. Because, like, Gansey comes from one of those families that is picture perfect on the outside, but those are almost never okay on the inside. Man, okay, these kids. All right. What is your problem, Adam? No. Jesus, no. Fuck off, Gansey. Mm -hmm. Do you want me to list Adam's problems? Because I'll put you at the top, right above the fact that he was just beaten by his dad, and right below, can I press charges? Yes. Those are his freaking problems, Gansey. Mm-hmm. And I'm sick of tiptoeing around your principles. Now is not the time, Gansey. I literally had written, now is so super not the time. 
<laughs> no time is the time no, for this. No, there is no time. No time. God, I'm sick of your condescension, Gansey. Yup. Yeah. Me too. Don't try to make me feel stupid, Gansey. I don't think he's trying to make Adam feel stupid. He genuinely thinks Adam is a brilliant human. Uh-huh. But he does retreat into his vocabulary as a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry your father never taught you the meaning of repugnant. He was too busy smashing your head against the wall of your trailer while you apologized for being alive. Gansey, you are a shithead. Yeah. I just, I can't with the victim blaming here. Like, I just can't do that. Both of them stopped breathing. Such tension, and it's all Gansey's fault. Yeah. Gansey knew he'd gone too far. It was too far, too late, too much. Actually, it was somewhere you shouldn't have gone at all. Right. Yeah. Fuck you, Gansey. Fuck you, he said, his voice low and furious. Yes. My thoughts exactly. And I can only think of one other time that Adam says fuck. And that is when Ronan is dreaming and he's scrying and they find the body of Aurora in the unmade caves water. And that's in page 316, 317 of The Raven King. Mm -hmm. There he was terrified for Ronan. Right. Here he is pissed. Mm -hmm. Gansey didn't want to see if people were watching some kid fight with a boy in a bright orange Camaro and an Aglumby sweater. Really, Gansey? You're worried about appearances right now? Yeah, he is. And just then he hated his raven-breasted uniform and his loud car and every three- and four-syllable word his parents had used in casual conversation at the dinner table. And he hated Adam's hideous father and Adam's permissive mother. But none of those are the problem right now. Mm -hmm. In the end, he was nobody to Adam. He was nobody to Ronan. Adam spit his words back at him and Ronan squandered however many second chances he gave him. Cry me an effing river, Gansey. Besides, you know this is not true. No, it's really not true. But goddamn, okay, I do relate to this feeling so much. Mm -hmm. Gansey was just a guy with a lot of stuff and a hole inside of him that chewed away more of his heart every year. Mm. They were always walking away from him, but he never seemed to be able to walk away from them. Has he even tried? Mm -hmm. I mean, he left his last best friend, Mallory, without saying a word. Right. Then Adam leaves. (laughs) Right. Or he has left. And Gansey notes, the ambulance was still there, but Adam had gone. Adam's shadow, a small blue thing beside him. Mm -hmm. Much like Adam himself, he's diminished, small, blue. And a lot of people just can't seem to understand Adam and how he can't just accept help from Gansey. And so I like this from Maggie. Well, on the topic of Adam's insides, I try to do a credible job of showing how his abuse often makes him hard to know even to himself. I try to show how he can consciously accept the knowledge that he is abused while being unable to instantly break free, how he can be smart and motivated and sharp as a motherfucking tack and still be MF tack (laughs) and still be unable to heal himself through sheer willpower. I try to show how difficult this can make him appear from the outside, how frustrating he can be even to himself. It's intensely challenging to artfully hint at the truth through the eyes of an unreliable narrator. Mm -hmm. She also has a really good post on why people find Gansey more accessible and Adam more impenetrable, but I really don't want to quote the whole thing, so it'll be in our show notes and we'll make sure to post it. 
By the time Gansey circled around the loading area to get to the lot, Adam had made it out to the manicured four-lane divided highway. Adam sure does like to walk long distances when he's upset, completely unable to cope with reality, don't he? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a coping mechanism. Yeah. Gansey shouts out at him, Where are you going? Where do you have to go? Fuck you again, Gansey. Mm-hmm. You're rubbing his nose into it like it's his fault, but it's not. Yep. Adam, Gansey repeated, just tell me not back there. Yeah, he can't go back there. It's not an option. Have you not been listening? Mm. It doesn't have to be Monmouth, but let me take you wherever you're going. Gansey tried a third time. The third time is a charm? (laughs) Finally, finally, he is making it about Adam's needs. Mm. And he thinks to himself, please just get in the car. Okay, were these last two things so hard? Right. Like, why couldn't you have just said that to begin with? I don't know. Just been like, where do you need to go? Right. That's literally all that needed to be said here. All that needed to be said. (sighs) Climbing in jerkily, Adam pulled the door shut. He didn't do it hard enough, so he had to try two more times. It's another instance of three. And sometimes, as a metaphor, it takes more than one try to close a door behind you. Mm Mm-hmm. Words pressed against Gansey's mouth, begged to be said, but he kept silent. Thank you! Finally! Mm -hmm. Just keep silent! Mm -hmm. Adam dropped his head into his hands. His thumbs worked through the hair above his ears, over and over, the knuckles white. When he sucked in his breath, it was a ragged sound that came from trying not to cry. It's like, you poor sweet boy. And it's so telling that the second Gansey stops being an ass, Adam comes back and allows himself to fall apart around Gansey. Yeah... Maggie has said that this was her favorite line to write in the books. She says, But there's a bit where Adam climbs into Gansey's car near the end of the Raven Boys, and in that bit, there's a single sentence. When he sucked in his breath, it was the ragged sound that came from trying not to cry. That forever stands out to me. It's not a very remarkable sentence on its own, but it sticks in my mind because I remember that when I wrote that sentence, I thought, I think I might be writing the best thing I've ever written. (laughs) need a break (laughs) we're almost done I know we're almost done (sighs) I think I might be writing the best thing I've ever written how Adam Parrish had been his own man before he met Gansey and there was no way he'd stop being his own man just by changing the roof over his head Mm. just because you believe that Gansey doesn't mean that he does right It's a symptom of his self-worth, and it's something you just can't see from the outside. Right. Adam was so very real and true in a way that Gansey couldn't ever seem to be. Jeez, Gansey. (laughs) Yeah. You are just as real and true as Adam. And how can you idolize his life right now? How? I don't know. (laughs) Gansey's words had somehow become unwitting weapons, and he didn't trust himself not to accidentally discharge them again. Go with that feeling. Right. Gansey knows this about himself, and yet, geez. Okay, man, I I do the same thing, and that's why I love all of them. I may hate Gansey here for what he said, but I also love him because of his struggle. Mm -hmm. I agree. So they drove in silence to get Adam's things, and when they left the trailer park for the last time, his mother watching from behind the kitchen window, Adam didn't look back. Adam is so, so strong. Yeah. 
Any last minute thoughts before we wrap up? I can't think of anything specific. We've covered a lot. Yeah. The only thing I wanted to add, if people have made it this far, is that the last time we spoke about this topic, we discreetly slipped some links to some abuse hotlines and things like that. So Mm -hmm. if you ever find yourself, hopefully you never will, find yourself in the situation where you might be a Gansey or, God forbid, an Adam, then you can look in our show notes and we will have those resources Mm -hmm. available to you. We should probably go ahead and reprint them in these show notes as well. No, that's what I mean. Okay. We will do that. We will be putting links in the show notes to the hotlines right. and some friends and family of abuse survivor resources we will do all mm. of that we will put them in the show notes for this episode <sighs> all right well are we gonna do an mvc yeah i've got a fucking mvc <laughs> i do too okay well it better be the goddamn same mvc because well it might not be the same mvc <laughs> you want to go first all right Ronan motherfucking Lynch. Ronan motherfucking Lynch. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I was like, Ronan motherfucking Lynch is my MVC in these god. I mean, of course, like Adam. Of course, like he he goes through all the shit. But like, if I have to like hands down MVC this one, it's gonna be Ronan motherfucking Lynch. Uh absolutely okay good Woo! i didn't want to have to fight you on that one no i think we're on the same page on that one awesome (laughs) (laughs) all right with that maggie watch not a ton new to report again, although maybe something will be announced before this goes to air. But Maggie has submitted another draft of whatever novel it is. She's been so mum about all of this. Woo-hoo. And she's been turning out some really lovely art in the interim. So if you don't follow her on social media, I recommend you check out our Twitter where we've reposted some of the pieces she's been working on. And to me personally, it's always astonishing to see how quickly she's able to just put something together with art. But I guess that's what artists do because it (laughs) looks like magic to me. (laughs) (laughs) That's what some artists do. The fact that she can just do a thing and have it be a thing and uh-huh. have it look oh, like... Oh, yeah, it's it's amazing. It looks like a thing within, like, the first couple of strokes that she does. It's... <laughs> I'm just like, oh, what is this? She's a f- MFing wizard. Like, how can you be a musician and a, and a visual artist and a, like, writer a, I and don't. be amazing at all of them? And a race car driver. Oh, yeah. Don't forget... <laughs> My favorite and a horse person. And I'm just like, the (laughs) fuck, dude? All right. And then I almost feel bad about giving anyone a supporter shout out Mm -hmm. (laughs) after this bleak roller coaster of a hellscape episode. Mm -hmm. But I did want to thank DK After Dark on Tumblr for being endlessly supportive and doing things like tagging us on posts that they think that we might be interested in and reblogging our information and all of that. So I've been appreciative of you for a while. And this shout out is overdue. So thank Mm -hmm. you so much for everything you've done. All right, and with that, I guess we're going to wrap this up because it's been a tough one. Thank you so much for sticking with us until the end. And 
I'm kind of glad it's over. Oh, God, I'm so glad this is over. We've been dreading it. So, again, thanks for listening today. Our next episode will cover chapters 39 through 43 of The Raven Boys with a deep dive on to to fill in later. To be determined. (laughs) However, our recording schedule is several weeks ahead of the release schedule. So follow us online for announcements of what chapters we will be covering next. And please send us your thoughts. We do absolutely love having your contributions. So any conversations, questions, theories, fan casts, etc. Yep. You can find us practically everywhere on social media at Raven Girls, R-A-V-I-N-G-I-R-L-S, on Twitter at Raven Girls, on Tumblr at ravengirls.tumblr.com, facebook.com slash ravengirls, and you can reach us directly at ravengirls at gmail.com. And you can reach me at substanceparty.tumblr.com or via Gmail at substanceparty with all of the A's taken out. S-U-B-S-T-N-C-E-P-R-T-Y at gmail.com. If we have referenced a post or an article in the podcast, we will do our very best to include source links to those in the show notes. The Raven Cycle and all affiliated properties are copyright Maggie Steve Otter and Scholastic Incorporated. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Well, although... Maybe not. Yeah. (laughs) We hope that you have at least gotten something out of today's Mm -hmm. episode and we appreciate you sticking with us yes because we know it was tough Mm -hmm. and until next time whoop whoop raven girls oh lord oh my gosh hi i'm shannon and i'm navita and we're the raven girls welcome to our raven cycle podcast where we talk about shit (laughs) that happens in some books. (laughs) Okay, Mm. take two.